What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On this show, we'll first dive into a few news nuggets, such as Adidas pairing back up with Kanye West, allegedly, Black Thoughts, Love Letter to Hip-Hop, Billboard's Top 50 Rappers list, as well as the back and forth between T.I. and Boosie over allegations of snitching. We'll also discuss Chris Rock's recent commentary on the famous slap from Will Smith, as featured in his newest comedy special. Then we'll do a retro review of the movie CB4. I'll also cover my least favorite album from A Tribe Called Quest. And then for our album Face Off, we'll be putting The Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox against The Future Is Now by Nonfiction and weigh in on which album was better and why. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. See you woke up this morning and chose violence. I mean, I'm only speaking facts, my man. <laughs> oh man, good old Uncle Remus. <laughs> Checking. <laughs> What's good with you though, bro? Same old, same old, man. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Well, you know. Man, you still sound like you fighting that thing. Yeah, I'm still fighting that thing. I might be fighting another thing, bro. My son tested positive for COVID, bro. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. We uh we got an email from his school because they he he's part of this program where they test every Friday. Okay. And uh, you know just to help keep track of stuff and, and stay sure. about the outbreaks. And we got an email like early Saturday afternoon saying that he had tested positive. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was like, ooh, okay, yeah, I guess we got right. that down the hatches. So lock it down. <laughs> What's funny? He was a he was mildly symptomatic earlier in the week. We we gave him some cold medicine, but it wasn't to the point where it was so alarming. We even thought about getting him tested. But right. fortunately, he was, you know, doing a school test. And, like, I talked to him maybe a half hour ago to make sure he was, you know, he was straight. And he's, you know, he's acting like his normal self. You know, he's his appetite is still with him. And, he, you know, he's in, you know, he's acting himself. I'll put it that Good. way. Good. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's vaxxed and boosted. So. Right. Hopefully that, that's, that's a factor. That tends to help. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, or at uh, least it won't be harmful. You know. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. So, we'll, we will test them again on Wednesday, and uh, and yeah, see if we can send them on back to school. But right, <laughs> get out I'm of here. questioning what I actually had. You know what I mean? Because I was, I was, I've been been trying to kick this for a while, and I did take three different COVID tests, and they all came up negative. But maybe it's that new strand out there. You know. I mean, it's still cold and flu season too, though. So, yeah, that too, man, yeah, too. So, but yeah, that's that's all we've been up to. But man, though, no, real quick, man, I know everybody was talking about that that special tribute to 50 years of hip hop 
that, that that performance that took place at the Grammys where they had all the, you know, the different um, hip hop icons come on and perform, you know, their different songs. Did you see the Black Thought footage where he 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 delivered like a, a free form poem dedicated? It was like a, it was called a love letter to hip hop, but it was part of the BET performance. But did you did you see that? Nah. Oh man, it's it's a five minute acapella from Black Thought, and it's titled "A Love Letter to Hip Hop," man. But that's that's to me that's what people should have been talking about. Like that's not getting enough attention, in my opinion. Um, I didn't even like, know that was a thing. Like I didn't. I, I saw a couple clips here and there of the the performances, but nothing that made me say, "Oh, I need to go watch this." Right, right. But yeah, yeah. Apparently, that was part of it too. Or part of the, the the tribute, you know, it wasn't part of the stage stage performance, of course, but you know, it was part of the tribute. But man, it it is a phenomenal like five minute just spoken word uh, rhyme that he's doing, and um, yeah, I recommend you check it out, man. This is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. But uh, in other news, I don't know how anxious you are to hear this, if at all, but uh, Danny Brown and jpeg mafia they have a new album coming out uh did you hear about it i did not okay they uh they got a new album called coming out it's got a, a, a awesome title it's called scaring the hoes music volume one <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i'll be looking forward to that <laughs> i'm here for it when is it supposed to drop i think sometime in march okay. if i recall correctly I know Danny Brown had a solo album that supposedly had been supposed to be coming out for a while now, but you know he's he's kind of been gun shy dropping it. But um, but yeah, I, I'll definitely I'll definitely check out a, a joint album between the two of them. You know, for sure. Um, speaking of joint albums, did you hear about the um, the shelled the, the now shelled album uh, by Ti and Lil Boost? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, man. I can't think of an album I want to hear less. Um, did you did you hear about all the the the, the, the reasoning behind Little Boosie pulling it out and not supporting the project anymore? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Was funny about it. Of yeah, all like, the things possible. Like, come on, dog. Well, I mean, where do you stand on that? Do you think do you think the whole conversation over snitching and paperwork and, and all of that? Do you think it's overblown? Do you think it was overblown in this case? Like, like, how do you, you know, where do you stand on it? I think it was, I think it's overblown in the macro, but in this particular instance, I really don't because that's his whole brand, right? I'm a solid individual. I'm, I'm, I'm bankhead, you know, through and through and, you know, trap music and, you know, this is, this is your, your lane. So if that's, if that's your your lane and it's not like at this point the game is accepted you know all the fiction that comes along with it so if he had come out and was just like yo this is just you know persona blah 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 it would have been fine i don't think it would have hurt his his you know album sales in any way but he is insistent on you know this is this is really how i get down and to be fair he's you know, I had his own dust-ups with the law that, that kind of indicate that he bought that life. So I don't think it's overblown. Like, you can't, 
you can't uh, claim to be of the streets and then you break in like, you know, street code number one, whether he was dead or not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know the rules and the bylaws on snitching on a dead person uh, allegedly or supposedly. I just I don't know. I, I don't know enough about that world to even speak on that. I just uh, I, I do kind of see Boosie's point where he said, like, you know, if it if that was the case, why are you talk? Why did you wait until now to even bring this up? Because this is allegedly an incident that was from like ten years ago, and like Boosie was like, man, you knew we had this album dropping, and then you you wait until now to come out with this like yeah i snitched just stuff you know and like that's that's more where a lot of his frustration was coming from and his his people on the ground level were kind of telling him like nah man you can't you can't drop this album with this dude right now so you know i don't know man i I get it i I do think the whole stuff is overrated the conversation around paperwork and you know who who's a snitch and who isn't it is a bit just overblown because <clears throat> if i'm around people who are committing crimes man I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you straight up I, i'm going home at the end of the night <laughs> right right you know whatever whatever they need to know you know hey i'm, I'm telling I'm, t- I'm telling on everybody <laughs> like, the thing is is like you're not involved in that lifestyle i don't think that that's really snitching you know what i mean you're a bystander no, I'm like not. i am like you know if i'm if something happens yeah i'm I'm talking because i'm not i'm not involved in that that's where i think people get it mixed up like snitching is me and you do something i get caught and i'm like yeah you probably want to go see what's up with ian too that's snitching (laughs) right (laughs) if i break in your house and you tell the police yo my man broke in the house (laughs) i know who did it i saw him that's not snitching. You were the victim of a crime or you a witness to a crime that you were not involved in. Right, right. Like, the rule don't apply to civilians, honestly. No, it don't. It don't, you know. Except for, you know, for safety's sake, right? You obviously don't want the retribution that comes with somebody getting getting punished. So in some, some ways, you have to make a business decision, but it's kind of understandable, right? If you're, not, if you're not in the game, then you're not in the game. Yeah, and I, I've been in situations where it's like, yeah, I, I could have said something, but I just, I just didn't, you know, because I just didn't right. want to be involved. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, I, I've seen people shot before, and just yeah, just you know, I don't know. Yeah, never Wasn't gave a statement, you know, and it's like, yeah, because you just don't want to get involved. But if I was like a rapper and I knew I was putting out there that I'm of a certain pedigree. You know, and I got an album coming out with somebody like Lil Boosie. Yeah, I would definitely keep that under my hat if if I had that in my in my history. Yeah. You know, so you know, and then it supposedly like Ti did some show recently in Atlanta. We he brought up some paperwork. He printed out some paperwork to prove that he wasn't a snitch. And it's like you know, at this point, he now he's trying to do this damage control, and it's just like, all right, man, like. We don't just own it you. at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, the more you try to to spin it, like the more it keeps coming up. You just news cycle move fast, man. You just let it let it go go by two weeks, and it won't even be an issue no more if you stop talking about it. 
Indeed, indeed. Um, something that people are still talking about. Um, this billboard list of the top 50 rappers. Um, now when I heard about this list dropping, like my immediate response was it's billboard. And billboard ain't got nothing to do with hip hop. Billboard ain't hip hop, so like no, you know, I don't even know why people are talking about this. But as more people talked about it, I said, let me just take a gander at this list. And man, unpopular opinion, the list ain't that bad. I didn't see it. Now, is it is it could it be a whole lot better? Sure. You know, and tweaked a little a little way more, absolutely, but it's 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 nowhere near as bad as that like uh Rolling Stone uh top top fifty rappers that they did. When was that? Like maybe like 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 five or six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but that was oh man. I do. Was it was awful. But um you know, I saw the list and it's like, yeah, it's it's some things you could quibble about, but all things considered, it's not that bad of a list. Mm. The top five MCs were Jay-Z, Kendrick Lamar, Nas, Tupac, and Eminem. Those are the top five. I mean, I guess. I, yeah, considering this billboard, it, I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Like props to them for having Nas in the top five. Did not right. expect that. I mean, I would swap Eminem for Biggie. Um, yeah. I'm I surprised not... there's no Drake there. I'm I'm quite surprised by that. Now Drake was eight, you know, but it, like you said, it's Billboard. I kind of expect that. Yeah, um, I expected Drake to be like like one or two. Me too. Me too. Nicki Minaj at 10, I think that's that's extremely high for Nicki Minaj. Um yes. on account of her not having a, a single she doesn't have a, a classic album. She just doesn't in, in, in her discography. I mean, um, she don't even really rap like 50% of the time. She doesn't. She made one rap album and then like after that she just started making cheerleader music. Like right. and you know, it's been doing that ever since. Um, they got J. Cole at 15. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a little high. Nikki at 10 and J. Cole at 15. Just going off their own metrics, like, is weird. Yeah. Yeah, they had, uh, let me see. They had Missy Elliott at 19. I don't think she, and you know, I, I rock with Missy too, but not, she's not a top 20 rapper. Yeah, they got her at 19. Um, let me see. Yeah, now now one conversation that has been popping up, Lil Wayne came out and said that he feels he's better than Jay-Z, you know, which uh He said that before. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> he retorted. I mean, but lately, if you put both of their like most recent work side by side, yeah, Wayne got him at the moment. Um, does he? Uh, every time that I've heard Wayne in the last, I want to say maybe two years, he has brought it. Now he hasn't put out a project other than that. That what was it Carter Seventeen, whatever it was. That was trash. But as far as his feature game, it's been crazy. And Jay Z has only been doing features for real, for real too. And other than his verse on like God did, has he done anything that's been particularly memorable? 
Um, that's a good point. I when when you were saying you were talking about their most recent work, I'm thinking about albums <clears throat> because Jay Z's last album was definitely better than Wayne's last album. Oh, by far, by far. But so, both of those projects were are what three, four, five years old by now. Yeah, they are. They are. I'm I'm surprised they actually had Q-Tip, Black Thought, and um and Most Def in here and Common. That is surprising. Um, they had Queen Latifah. They had Red Man. He was far too low. That's surprising. Red Red Man is a, is at least a top twenty MC in my book. Agreed. Rev Run, man. I don't know. I, I no I mean, disrespect legacy. to the old school, but I I would knock off Red Run. Not not just on just as a pure rapper now. As far as what run dmc meant to the game and maybe that is you know a part of the conversation they they definitely deserve the accolades they get but if you're just talking pain game this ain't that yeah <laughs> you said this ain't that um who else they got on here uh they actually had chuck d on here a little too high in my opinion big pun was on the list met the man was on the list I am I am sore, sorely disappointed that like they did not have Oh, I take that back. They did have Ghostface on here. Okay, so they did have Ghostface on here. They had Ludacris on here. Hmm. They had Dr. Dre, who I would I would just take off completely. And they even had E40. So I mean the, the list ain't that bad. You know, you could quibble with it with placements here and there, but could have been a lot worse if you ask me. It sounds like it. But let's uh, let's move right along to an, our, our next uh, little topic here. Um, Adidas and Kanye West are rumored to have reconciled and reached a deal to sell some of this product, this Ye- Yeezy product that's been sitting on the shelves indefinitely since they severed their uh, business relationship with him. Um, I remember seeing some reports a couple of weeks ago coming out about how how much money Adidas is is losing this year and they they've lost 1.3 billion dollars and their stock has dropped 11% and you know they were contemplating you know striking a deal with with Kanye to 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 get the the rest of his uh you know his dad stock sold and um it, it has not been confirmed. Let me just say that first. This, this this report has not been confirmed, whether or not they've reached a deal or not with Kanye. Well, what do you think about them doing a 180 on this? Do you, do you, are you shocked? Sounds about white. I mean, right. <laughs> um, it's the, it's the nature of business. Like Adidas don't care about people. They care about the bottom line and, as a as a business owner, you kind of are only beholden to your shareholders, and if you're losing money, then you got to do something about that. And yeah, the optics look really bad, but obviously somebody did the research to show that um, it was a worthwhile deal to make. If in fact that's what's happening, and maybe what what we're hearing about is you know some back doorway for them to kind of focus group the idea. And see what the what the response is going to be, and whether it would be a good uh, business decision for them to make. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're likely right because it's like 
everybody knew like, yeah, they were going to have to take this on the chin and lose some money with severing this, this partnership. That was a given, you know, but to have these reports trickling out about how much money they're losing, it just felt like, okay, y'all were kind of prepping us for something here. Like, you know, y'all, y'all kind of weighing, weighing in, 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 you know, and reading the tea leaves on what the response to this, to this, you know, huge fiscal loss is going to be amongst the public. And then at a convenient time, partner back up with this dude, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're like you said, they're a company. They care about the bottom line and the dollars and cents. And it's just interesting, you know, don't let these companies fool you in thinking that they're going to make a decision, especially if it's going to affect their bottom line just out of some sense of morality you right. know you know when the outcry got high enough over the anti-semitic stuff he was saying then they pulled the plug on it but you know now they they were gonna lose money yeah yeah it's the only reason but now that they've actually lost money you know what i mean it's like okay let, let's see what we can do here let's 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 work a deal you know like mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> and again like I said, I don't know if this is even true or not, but there's definitely a lot of like reporting about they they're they're trying to reach some sort of backdoor deal with Kanye. They're not going to be public about it, but they're just trying to get the the, the rest of this this merchandise sold because they're they're taking such a hit. So, but how you are know, they gonna be able to keep that quiet if they if they're trying to sell the merch? Like, yeah, I know Kanye goes. Goes. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I seriously doubt Kanye would keep it quiet. So no, no. I mean, they would have to, you know, give him a, a some sort of a NDA, and he might and might not abide by it. You know, right, right. You know, but man, everything has its price, man. You know, it's like, yeah, we gonna we gonna we gonna ignore this this uh, anti-blackness, anti-Semitism, because. Uh, these sneakers ain't selling, you know? Right. And it's just, when I, I was seeing these reports coming out, I was just like, yeah, who cares? Like, no, no crap. Y'all are going to lose money this 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 year. Like, you know, if you're trying to make me feel sorry for, for Adidas, then I'm just not going to. It's like, y'all are a global company. Like, you all made the, 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 the jerseys for the World Cup. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going to make it back. Like, right. you know, you're, you're not going to just go bankrupt, you know? But, uh, it's also a teachable moment too because I don't think any other company is going to allow themselves to hand over so much power to another celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, in the future, you know, I, I do, I do think, I do think that that little we'll see that little change in how some of these companies operate. You know, with pairing up with celebrities and rappers and all of that. <clears throat> But uh but yeah, yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's it's not surprising. It's not surprising. <laughs> you said it nah. sounds about white. <laughs> slip I, I meant to say right. <laughs> Fraudian slip, right. Fraudian slip. <laughs> oh man. This uh this week we will be discussing and reviewing a film that's hitting a 30-year milestone. Um but before we get into that, um I wanted to get your thoughts on the most recent Chris Rock Netflix special, comedy special, uh, Selective Outrage. 
Um, I don't know if you've seen it in its entirety yet. I have not. I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it. And of course, I've seen the clip that everybody's talking about. And I wanted to get this out the way before we dive into CB4. Um, what what are your thoughts on or or did you did you see any of the footage with Chris Rock addressing the Will Smith slap? Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Oh, how'd you like it? I thought it was funny. Um, it was one of the first like Netflix comedy specials I watched in a while where I audibly laughed. Like there's a, a bunch of them that I thought were funny. I'm like, oh, this is clever. That's funny. But I didn't like laugh out loud. This one I laughed out loud a couple times. Nice, nice. And it was the first one that was done live. So that yeah. was that was historical. And he messed up, which was which was interesting to me. I thought it was actually kind of cool. It made it there was a charm to that, that he he messed the joke up, but he recovered. Um but that that just kinda let you know that this was live. Okay, okay. Yeah, I I, I definitely got plans to watch it um uh this week would how how'd you feel about the 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 him addressing specifically the the will and jada beef or issue whatever whatever it is you want to call it uh seeing as that's that's the money shot basically um that everybody wanted to see How, how did you feel it was handled i i think he handled it better than a lot of people would he was clearly very still still angry um, and this was his opportunity to get it off his chest i i wonder how much was he angry about the moment and how much was he angry about everything that came along with it all the conversation around it and the the questioning of you know why he didn't do this or why you know why isn't he speaking on it and then the idea of having to create content around it that means you got to keep going back to this place so it felt like a release for him um and i imagine it's not a situation that he's going to speak on very much beyond this i think that was kind of a closing of the book on that issue for him at least that's how it came across to me yeah yeah i mean like at the end of the day I can't tell him how to feel about getting slapped on in public, on, right? In public on live TV, nobody can tell him how to feel about it. So, you know, I, you know, if he, if he wants to speak on it and express his thoughts, like, yeah, fine, go ahead, milk it. You know what I mean? Like, you were the first person that that really happened to on live TV. So, for you to talk about it in like the first live Netflix special, I thought it was very appropriate. You know, and yeah, you're right. He did seem still kind of a little emotional about it. And, you know, he <laughs> of course, Chris Rock, he gets he gets paid millions of dollars to tell jokes. So he was able to spin it into a joke and that and, and stick the landing towards the tail end of his comedy special. So, you know, prop, props to him for that. You know, his his commentary, you know, hey, the nigga wasn't lying, you know. Um Right. You know, so this is this is all stuff people have kind of already been saying. But uh, you know, there there are people who got a problem with it, you know, uh for for whatever reason. You know, I, I don't I don't have a problem with it. Like 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 I said, like, you know, uh I, I would milk it too, you know. Um I don't I don't really feel like he was milking it though. I really don't. It was such a small part of the whole show that for people to clip that and, and use that to, think, to be the thing that they discuss, 
I think is a little bit unfair to the whole thing. Um, my biggest complaint, honestly, about the the performance, the audience was whack. The audience was awful. Mm. Like you could tell that they were just kind of waiting for the Will Smith stuff. Um, so it was a lot of other jokes that were funny, like were were legitimately well written and you know hit time well, and they just weren't getting it. And maybe it's you know comedy subjective, so maybe they you know didn't think that they were funny, but I, I think that that was a um, yeah, it was just a, a, a whack crowd because then they came alive when they started talking, you know, the Will Smith stuff or whenever he referenced any rapper, you know, the the crowd kind of livened up because they thought they were going to get what they were looking for, which I think is weak. Like that's that's TMZ stuff. Yeah, let the man cook. You know, just just yeah. enjoy the jokes. Right. I, I mean, I thought he did it pretty cleverly. Like he had a joke when he was talking about Snoop very early on. Um, and he was like, and that's not a Snoop disc. The last thing I need is another rapper mad at me. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. And they, they, they just, they kind of laughed at that. But yeah, I, I, I assumed that people would take issue with it. Um, there's always going to be a think piece about something and he, he was a little aggressive but the man was hurt he got slapped in front of everybody and did not essentially he didn't respond didn't press and charges nope didn't didn't you know what i mean didn't have a restraining order didn't sue him no nah, he just 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 walk away from it and it is the it is the best course of action, I think. Um, it was the most mature course of action. But at the same time, just as a man, sometimes it's really difficult, even when you know that this is the right thing to do, to do that and then to make peace with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's that even the most evolved of us, you know, you still have that, whether it's 1% or 99%, of, of that ego that's still in you that um you know that will that will pinprick the brain <laughs> when you go back and think about those moments like man I should have punched that nigga in the face <laughs> even though you know that that isn't the right thing to do and it would have gotten so much worse because now you, you know it becomes a fight and both of y'all niggas probably end up in jail he did the right thing but it, it doesn't it doesn't soothe it doesn't soothe the uh the soul as it were yeah yeah unfortunately but uh you know hey shout outs to chris rock like he 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 handled it and addressed it tastefully in my opinion well i shouldn't say tastefully but he handled it the way i would expect chris rock to handle it and, and address i don't it. think it was in poor taste i mean it, it, and i'm not saying it was like maybe when i say he had he addressed it tastefully that's a bit of an overstatement or maybe i'm just i'm not using the right wording but I mm -hmm. felt the I felt the response was appropriate. I just put it that way. I agree with that. Like, yeah, he he used you know some language that that was a bit aggressive, and especially in in reference to a woman, it's never a good look to call a woman out of their name. However, if there's ever a time to do so, it is when said woman caused me to get smacked in the face and I did not retaliate or was not in a position to retaliate. 
if that's the worst that happened is me saying something, then so be it. Yeah. <clears throat> we had another joke about whether words hurt or not. I'm, I'm not gonna spoil it because I don't want to keep. <laughs> you're gonna watch it, so I don't want to. I don't want to step on the jokes. But he had, he had a pretty funny, pretty funny bit about that too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely look forward to watching. Man, I'm. I'm. Uh. It's. It's. It's on my. In my queue. Since. Since I'm on COVID lockdown, I'm. Uh. Right. I'm, I'm gonna spend my time. Uh. uh getting familiar with that. <laughs> But um, but moving right along, man. Um, I wanted to review this movie, man. Retro, do a retroactive review, that is, of the movie CB4, which is actually turning 30 years old this week. CB4 is a 1993 American satirical mockumentary comedy film directed by Tamara Davis and starring Chris Rock. The film follows the fictional rap group named CB4, named after the prison block in which the group was allegedly formed. Uh, The movie parodies the rap group N.W.A., among other gangster rap aspects, as well as taking inspiration from This Is Spinal Tap. And it's... It's it's a pretty funny movie. Like, like, I I gotta say, like, I I chuckled quite a bit when I went back and and revisited it, it this week. You know, not all of the humor has aged, you know, very well, but... I think for it to be a, a snapshot of what was going on in the culture, in the hip hop culture at this time, and what people were kind of already starting to pick apart about hip hop culture by 1993, I thought it was very telling. You know, did, did you get a chance to go back and kind of, kind of, kind of revisit this? I didn't. Um... I wanted to. I, I mean, I remember it well enough, but I, I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I, I, I felt that. While, while I'll put it this way, I did. I have fun with the movie, absolutely. But, but I do feel that they kind of left a lot of meat on the bone, thematically, like, and they didn't really stick to the whole mockumentary style with the film. It, it started no. out that way. But then it just it just the movie just turns into a series of flashbacks and, and and retellings. And long story short, you know, in the plot, the the group is is a bunch of suburbs, three suburban kids uh, or at least two suburban kids. I forgot where um, the third one was from. But in the group CB floor for their name, Chris Rock plays the, the MC by the name of MC Gusto. Um, and then his two friends are Dad Mike and Stabmaster Arson. Stabmaster. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and and as you watch them perform their songs, it's, it's clearly, they're clearly ripping off, you know, NWA, NWA you know, with their, yeah. with their single Straight Outta Low Cash. It's, it's a direct ode to uh, or nod to Straight Outta Compton. And in fact, Easy E even appeared in this film, and uh, he made a cameo feature <clears throat> along with Ice T, Ice Cube, Flavor Flav, and Shaquille O'Neal. And I, I felt that they just kind of left a lot of meat on the bone because there's this whole thing with uh, this politician played by Phil Hartman, and he he's running for election or whatever, but he's make he's basically making it his sole mission to take down the group CB4 and to highlight. 
to the public all the ways this group is is detrimental to the public and bad for the youth and he basically uses them as a political football and all the while while his son is a huge fan of the group I, I felt that that things like that could have been delved a little deeper into with the film and they kind of touch on it but then they just kind of drop it halfway I, I often it. wonder about that though part of it i think it was um the pacing of the film was a little bit off but that's kind of how it was in the 90s especially with black films anyway mm-hmm. like it was a lot of times it was just good enough just to get it out there and you know some of the the, the finer details get lost but i wonder too how much of that was you know potentially edited out or cut from a script like yo we can't really go too hard on this concept considering who's funding it right like it always kind of goes back to who the the producers are and what they're going to kind of green light and you tell a little bit too much truth especially in in that space like it's cool to 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 have a see dolores tucker calling out hip-hop and and to put you know this black woman at the face of it um but when you start to note the hypocrisy within the the varying politicians that might be a little too hot for for some people to to touch especially at that time yeah yeah i I just thought it was interesting because they they were clearly poking fun at the politicians who were trying to use rap music and rap groups uh you know as specific political footballs at the time but yeah they didn't really go for the jugular with that particular thing like I looked up who wrote the movie uh, in addition to Chris Rock and it's this other guy, Nelson George and Robert Lokash. And I... Whoa, 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 whoa. The disrespect. This guy, Nelson George. Nelson George is somebody, man. He's, he is. He is. He's, that's that's, that's, I've, that's I've, foundational, I've, you know, hip-hop journalism. And, and he is. He is. I don't know how much writing... I, I, I say that to say this it's you're probably right about there was more stuff in the movie than might have gotten cut out mm-hmm. because, especially considering who was writing right right now Nelson George I know about Nelson George I'm familiar with his commentary however this other dude Robert Lokash yeah, um, I, I looked to see what else he had he had, had did writing for and he basically wrote the Naked Gun movies okay so that explains why some of the humor is just very, uh, you know, just campy and over the top. Mm-hmm. So I I assume that's why the film kind of took the. But plus, if you've already done the Naked Gun movies, it's like they probably gave him free reign with with the CB4 script. That's that's what I'm thinking. Sure. Sure, you know, and he might have been there to try to you know make it marketable for. An audience who don't necessarily listen to rap music and they may not get the the satire as it relates to that but if you throw in these like over the top slapstick jokes then the the other folk could still um you know show up at the box office to to kind of pad the stats a little bit yeah 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 i'm sure great cast man in addition to chris rock you had alan payne these are D, Charlie Murphy, who was like, to me, the, the, the most underrated part of this movie. Um, Phil Hartman, Candy Alexander, 
uh, Chris Elliott. So it was, you know, it was it was a pretty pretty star-studded cast. Um, mm-hmm. I just wish it, the movie could have aged a little better. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of humor in here that one might call <laughs> problematic. Yeah, problematic. <laughs> um, that would not pass today. No. Um, because there was, uh, you know, and, and and a lot of it was just kind of thrown in apropos nothing. Like there was a lot of like I, you know, what what people would call homophobic humor in here. You know, when Alan Payne was working at the call center and he was working for like a a, a phone sex line for for gays and you know the stuff he was saying. It was it was just it, it felt like it was just thrown in there for a cheap laugh. And then even like the scene at the end where Chris Rock is dressed in drag. Uh, yeah. to fool the, the the guy who's trying to extort them, and they have a scene where it's like it's him and the other guy looking at each other all lustfully, and it's like, where is this? Where is this even coming from? It's like, I, I don't even is, is is this real? That is was, this a is this a dream? Nineties though, that yeah, but that 90s. was the nineties. Yeah, that was the nineties, you know, and you know some of the other like kink shaming that was going on in the call center, and it's like. The the, the 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 booth where they had people calling in because they were into you know urine and it's like that's in 2023 that's that's considered fairly run-of-the-mill that particular kink right so it's just it's just interesting to see these kinks kind of like played up for laughs in a movie from 93 it's like oh man yeah we, we, we kind of come come a, a, a long way but okay. um question is in which direction <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, these things are kind of I, the, the best way I can put it is these things are no longer taboo. Correct. You know, because by by what ninety seven, you had Biggie doing skits. You know about this type of <laughs> yeah, stuff. He was, yeah, he was wild. I mean, and even then, it was pretty shocking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It definitely was so not hard. Mainstream conversation. To cock over. <laughs> so after so I, I, do, I right? <laughs> 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 Oh man. Why? What what do you think about the um the the, the plot with uh with the actual gusto with him extorting the group? I dug it. Um so the behind all of the the mockumentary part of it like the actual story i found to be kind of interesting right you got these good clean you know just fairly running a mill suburbanite dudes and they can't break through with the industry and um you need a you need a hook you know what i'm saying you you gotta you gotta have this gangster persona to be able to sell and they they were able to get it and I think um, there's a, quite a bit of foreshadowing. Like, there was a time where you had to, not that you had to, but uh, people were speaking on, on street life because, yeah, this is what I've, I've seen. This is what I've known. And I'm bringing it to you, not necessarily to glorify. In some cases it is, but um, in others it's like, yo, this is just, these are the conditions that kind of create situations that you know that we we all find to be i don't say untenable that's not the word i'm looking for they're they're not um 
the best situations for people to to come up in but it's the reality but then that becomes marketable right anything that's dangerous is is attractive especially when you can touch the danger but not necessarily be in 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 any actual danger um so that becomes a selling point I, i i appreciate them taking that point and just basically putting it on steroids now as far as the extortion I mean, that's a part of the game, too. You know, obviously, Gusto is supposed to be like the Suge Knight in this situation. Um, but I think that extortion doesn't always look like Suge. Sometimes it looks like Leo Cohen. It's the same tactic. It's just, you know, done with, with goons in the street or goons in the in the lawyer's office. But it's it's the same thing. Like you're being pressed to take an action or, or not take an action that's going to benefit the the party with the most power not necessarily you like the, the industry is a is a monster yeah yeah indeed I, I thought it was interesting them capturing that part of it like the like you said the extortion and even when they were trying to get more visibility as a group and, and make a name for themselves as a group and he was talking about you know it was played up for a joke of course but he he's talking about how he was like, man, everybody said, you know, yeah, talent, but you need a you need a gimmick, you know. So they went, his group went through several different iterations before they landed on like this hardcore, you know, gangster rap persona for the group. And it was like they were like the fat boys at first, and then they were like this group where they were all rocking like like uh, um, shower caps, and then they were the um, I forgot what they were calling themselves. I think I was it the Bohemians where they were like dressed in these robes and they they had on all this Afrocentric gear and they were uh, they were clearly like they were clearly making fun of PM Dom and, and and maybe even tried a little bit. I yeah, that's that's more what I got from it. You know, I thought I thought that was interesting, you know, cuz they they were still kind of like, you know, in top form at this point. I thought the uh I thought the the relationship with Trust Us Jones was funny. Um I love the name Trustus Jones too. <laughs> and the character. I really like the character. Yeah. Um, um, did you did you peep did you do you remember do you peep did you peep the cameo from Pootie Tang at his funeral? I don't remember that. So oh, the dude man. who plays the dude who plays Pootie Tang shows up to Trustus funeral because Trustus still owed him money and he's like yelling at the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> like is that booty thing i know that's chris rock's boy because he you know he was always around like when he had the, the show on hbo yeah that's yeah. funny i'm not gonna go back and check that one out now i've been meaning yeah. to watch it anyway but you know how it go yeah they i forgot they were tight back then uh lance Crothers, mm-hmm. i think is that. lance Crothers, yes but yeah he's in it at the funeral scene and uh yeah it's it's, it's pretty funny I thought it was I thought it was cool how they kind of spoofed how the police were trying to keep them from performing a particular song in concert same way they did you know in NWA back in the day. I forgot I forgot Rachel True was in this movie uh too. She played uh Chris Rock's love interest and uh I used to have a, a huge huge crush on uh Rachel True back, back in the day. Man. Even when she was on that whack UPN show yeah 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 what was it called sisters or something half and half half and half yeah (laughs) 
Half inch. Yes, yeah, yes, I watched it all the time. <laughs> for for Rachel True. I mean, that's exactly what I was all right, but I'm with you, man. Rachel, I'm with you. Rachel 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 was the one. What what did you think of the uh the the turn or the character development or the Afrocentric character development of um of Stabmaster Stab. Oh no, I'm sorry, I, of Dead I'm Mike. The Dead Mike. Dead Mike. I I thought it was funny. First of all, the I'm black is always hilarious and that's never gonna not be funny, but um again, commentary, right? That's that's the running gag that after um after having some some type of tragedy, you, you wake up. It's usually going to jail <laughs> is what it is, and in this case it was something different, but I, I thought that was again a commentary on the game. And and it's it's something that's kind of known in the black community, I would say. You you know, you had the homie who went away on that summer vacation for, for three years and you come back and now you <laughs> you telling you to do the knowledge and today's mathematics and all that. You had plenty of time to study Islam and lift weights. <laughs> I mean that's essentially <laughs> that's essentially what happened. But instead of it being, you know, because they went to jail because the group broke up and he lost his identity and just just did something completely different. Yeah, yeah. I, I kinda took it as them spoofing Ice Cube a little bit, like with with some of the Ooh, yeah. Uh, yeah, with some of the Yeah moves he was making directly after leaving nwa you know i didn't even think about that you i think you might be right i think that's the the actual the actual through line yeah yeah um because because you know ice cube was was moving similarly and and when we finally got music from him it was kind of like you know in the vein of i'm black y'all you know you yeah, you were kind of yeah. expecting a little bit more meat but like it, essentially that's what he was saying i'm black y'all you know and uh, i thought that was kind of i thought that was kind of clever the way they you know the way they covered that they even you know they even covered the whole high profile groupie angle that mm-hmm. i did not think was a thing in 93 you know we our first exposure to that were like, you know, people like Superhead who were writing books about it, right. you know, and, and getting them, uh, them random house checks, you know. Um, but apparently this was a thing back then in the early 90s, too. So um, we just didn't have access to the info like you, you right. probably just had to be in the industry to know it. Right, right. So, you know, I, I thought that was a a. a a decent touch you know it's just like man like you, you know you're getting exploited by <laughs> your, your record label you're getting exploited by people who are literally trying to you know extort you you know and you gotta worry about people like that it's just yeah it, it, it was it, i'm not i'm not gonna say eye, eye opening but yeah it, it was it was just an interesting snapshot of what was known about hip-hop culture and the hip-hop business back then in 93 you know what I mean? Like, and do do you feel changed? Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Do you feel a similar movie could be made today, like a CB4 type movie? Not 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 a sequel per se, but a movie like this. Do you think that could be made today? No, I don't, and only because the things that were happening in CB4 were like a um, 
a funhouse mirror of what was really happening. Whereas now, like, what was a caricature, I cannot say that word, um, is real now. Like, this is this is the, the actual hip-hop game. Like, these are, this is really the behavior of rappers now, and it's not just this exaggerated, like, cartoony um, perception of it for comedic effect. Like, this is really how they're moving like you know big big draco and all his wild interviews and, <laughs> um takashi takashi and you know your your xx extacion and Lil peep and, and you, that you know whole what? thing for those reasons jamil i think that today's climate would be perfect for a movie like that but who's the audience right like we would watch it but that's not going to be enough to actually support it at the time when CB4 was made, it was marketed to young people who were into hip hop culture. The young people who are into hip hop culture now are not gonna see a CB4 type movie because they're gonna be like, well, what's the joke? I don't get it. That's just these these niggas is rapping. I mean, I think if you if you it, it all depends on whose who, whose hands you put it in. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be put in the hands of a director that could get his point across without beating you over the head. It has to have some s- certain names attached to it, maybe even certain cameos, like just the way CB4 had to kind of pull those people in that they're that they're really trying to get the message across to. They're like, hey, look, every, everything that you see with this with this hip hop is is not as it seems, you know. And it's actually a very, very much a, a, a just a cesspool of, of you know stuff you don't want to deal with. I, I think I think it could be done. Honestly, it's like. With with all the all the hangups and, and, and image issues that rappers are dealing with now, I, I think this would be a perfect climate to do a movie like that. Now, of course, you know, the, the style would be different, what they're spoofing would be different. But I mean, you, you could you can attack the whole snitch angle, the fake gangster angle, the uh, how the fat how high fashion that, that rappers wear that blurs gender lines. It's like you could you could you could do a movie taking aim at all that if it's done right. If it's done I don't right, no, though. But we 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 saw it done to a certain extent with the Boondocks. Yeah, but how long ago was that? That's almost twenty years ago. Uh, yeah, but CB4 was thirty years ago. I, I think. And when you go back and you look at those Boondocks episodes, like with with oh, Thug and, and Gangsta Delicious and whatnot, they've aged fairly well. I agree, and, and only in the sense that the things that you know Magruder was talking about essentially, you know, pretty well came true. The reason why I, I would say that they don't age as well is because a lot of the humor, which is still hilarious, does not fit the current climate. Like, uh, nigga, you gay? That, that's not. That's not gonna fly. I see your point. I see your point. I mean, it doesn't. And which have is to why be I that. would think it would be difficult to to do the film, though, because the the points that you were bringing up now, the high fashion, I think, would probably be the one that you could spoof it. Because even you know, even the rappers are like, "All right, this is ridiculous." But because of the fact that it blurs gender lines and how sensitive an issue that is, that's that's third rail stuff. <laughs> 
and Possibly. even if you even if you can do it tastefully, who's gonna who's gonna fund it? I don't I don't think finding funding will be a problem. I, I think I think the bigger challenge will be making a script that's actually funny that that says something without offending a bunch of people. It's like you you can even go the whole like ang- to attack the angle where, you know, every rapper claims to be so authentic and about that street life. You you really could. You know, and it, it, it would look different today, totally different today from how it looked thirty years ago, you know, with C B four. Um I even think that you can even possibly like do a do a, a a similar movie that does commentary on where female rappers have had to, you know, how how they've had to change over the years. You know, I especially think they when it comes really to really had to change though, right? I think they've well, always been over sexualized. Not always. Uh, well, uh, well, post post Latifah, yeah just just um for what the time was like you look at fox and and lil kim now and that's relatively tame compared to what's happening but that's the culture of it what they were doing at the time was shocking and you know the the culture has shifted so far that like you were saying earlier things that had been previously considered taboo are no longer so in order to get the shock value you got to go even further so it, it was well, the humor, you know, I'm, I'm saying the humor should not be geared toward toward shock value. It should be geared toward satirical co- uh, a commentary. Yeah, but you get what I'm saying? I, I think it's like that, I do. That's, that's the that's the one critique. One of the critiques I actually had with CB4 that they threw stuff in there just for shock value. Whereas I think, I think if you took a different approach and a more subtle approach, you know, you, you, you could you could comment on some things in a humorous way. I mean, like, like I said, like even with the female rap stuff, it's like the the different images that, that we expect female rappers to fall into. You know, it's like, you know, either you're either you're you uh, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion or you're Lauren Hill, and it's like there's no in between. Like, right? I think right. if you wrote a film about, <clears throat> you know, a female rapper or a group of or a group of female rappers who were like just trying to find their their voice and their spot in the culture and in, in the genre and all the all the expectations heaped upon them in different iterations they might have to take on to be successful i think you could make a fairly funny and and poignant movie you know with that material honestly i'm i'm definitely sold on that that's a unique perspective i think i think that would work and you could almost lift exactly what cb4 did but just make it for women because the challenges are, are similar, right? You still have to put on this fake persona um, or oversized persona, but not necessarily fake in order to make it. I could I could see that working for sure. Yeah, I, it would work. You know, of course, people would bash it before even seeing it because they'll they'll just sure, call it so. they'll just call it the woke CB4. <laughs> right. Anything anything starring a woman is going to bring out the trolls. You know, it's like, why are they making a movie about female rappers? Like, they trying to replace the black man? Yeah, I mean, and you could, and you could, you could, you could, you could attack that type of conversation in the movie. In the movie, I would agree. I would agree. You know, it's like, you know, there's 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 so many there's so many just 
ridiculous things, you know, about hip hop culture, black culture, and just overall American culture and ridiculous conversations going on right now that you could you could really like take aim at, you know, with a clever script. You know, even 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 with the recent with the recent phenomenon of industry plans, you know, that's that's another thing that you you can comment on, you know, and 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 talk about why why industry plants are even a thing in a movie now, whereas when CB4 came out, that wasn't really a thing. Or was you know, it just not discussed? Yeah, it, I mean, let me not say it wasn't a thing. You're right. It just wasn't discussed. Like because uh, rap was so young you know what i mean right right uh, back then you know pe- people still kind of thought it was it was a fad back back when cb4 came out yeah so, um but yeah yeah I, I think you could definitely do a satirical mockumentary or a satirical film about you know some aspiring rappers uh today and and, and all the all the silliness and and what what have you that they would have to go through in the industry but I'm sitting here arguing and saying that it couldn't be done and I'm tripping. It was done. I mean, what is Atlanta but that? Again, yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right, yep. And just, you know, going a little more in depth, but absolutely it could be done. And that would probably be the team to do it. Indeed. Yeah, I, I know I'm definitely gonna watch Swarm. Yes, indeed. Uh, that looks pretty good. Um, but that actress is really good. I, I she was uh, low key. She was with the best part of uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I wouldn't go that far. Well, she not the dope, best. Part, she, 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 she was dope. definitely a she was definitely a highlight of the film. It was like for sure. It was for like, sure. whoa, who's who's this? Who's this actress? It's like she's 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 playing this pretty good. She's a powerhouse. She's yeah. a powerhouse. And I mean, she was up there with heavy hitters like. I mean, hands down, it was Lakeith Stanfield, but it's hard to beat him anywhere. Yeah, like that is he's, true. he's 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 on his own stratosphere, but she definitely held her own in that film. What's her name? Uh, uh, Dominique. Uh, oh goodness, it's gonna drive me crazy. I know you're talking about though. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know her name. Let me, nah, I, I'll look it up because this is going to drive me crazy too. Dominique Fishback. Dominique Fishback. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. She, yeah, she held her own way like heavy hitters, and it was like, it's like, man, she's she, she's playing this this role pretty good. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta did it too. <laughs> you know, Atlanta did it too. It's like, um, you know, Atlanta did a lot, but. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it definitely gave you commentary on like the the, the current state of the rap game, and <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it could be done, bro. I really think it'd be done. Now, should it be done as 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 campy as CB4? No, but you know, I, I think I think it could it, it could honestly be done, and you would even have more material to chew, you know, to chew on and to, to you know, and more more just just things to take aim at. If you were to make that film today, nah, I'm I'm so I'm so when you when you mentioned doing it from the perspective of of women and then for whatever reason how we overlook Atlanta, I think I think you're right. I, I retract my my previous argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, 
yeah yeah i just yeah that's just how i feel that's just how i feel but um you know the, the movie it's it's a fun little you know nostalgia trip um chris rock chris rock is 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 most definitely funny uh but he wasn't he he, he definitely had not reached his uh his height of funniness when cb4 nah, came yet. out he yeah he's he still, still still early yeah he still had a lot of growing to do um but uh yeah that's that's the other thing so but moving right along man moving right along <clears throat> i uh wanted to do this um when, when the crew did it and that was like the the, the wor- i call it the worst of the best where everybody highlights the their worst or their least favorite album from their favorite one of their favorite hip-hop acts you would did um buster buster rhymes vince Dia, rick ross and i'm gonna do tribe called quest this week or or a tribe called quest um well, ask for me. <laughs> and honestly like i can objectively state that they do not have a bad album in their discography it's just this album i'm about to talk about just so happens to just be my least favorite mm-hmm. um and that album is <clears throat> uh we got it from here thank you for your service wow wow yeah. i thought um, you were going beats rhymes in life no no i cannot go beats rhymes in life beats rhymes in life i feel is like the tribe album that has aged the best sonically mm-hmm yeah I, I really do i really do i know at the time when it came out it wasn't it wasn't a very popular album because it sounded different from their first three and it was i had a way more somber feel to it but there are a lot of things to like about these crimes in life and i i couldn't go i couldn't go to the love movement because it's like like i said before it's like you're hard pressed to really name three bad songs on that on that whole album I mean, that's that's just all Dilla right there too. So, how do you, knowing what we know now too, and seeing where he, he went from there? Yeah, but as far as we got it from here, thank you for your service. It it basically has earned the title of my least favorite uh, tribe album for 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 basically by default. It's the album that. I've spent the le- least amount of time with, um, mm. you know, the next youngest tribe LP is 16 years older than than this one. So I just have not had as much time to connect with it that, than I did with the other albums. You know, I had years to connect with the other tribe albums. And it, let me let me say it's not a bad album. It, it's not a bad album by any means, but because I, I've, I've just, I haven't had a whole lot of time to spend with it. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's gotta be, I gotta name it as my least favorite. Um, there are a couple of tracks I do actually skip. I do skip, uh, I skip Lost Somebody. I skip Conrad Tokyo. Um, is that it? Okay, I don't skip enough. I don't skip Mobius. I don't skip Black Spasmodic. Okay, and the killing season. That's the other one I skipped with uh with Talib Kweli. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those those are the skippables. I mean, it's it's a it's a fairly funky sounding album. There's there is a lot to like about it. The guest appearances are are, are spectacular. Um, I thought Space Program was a great song. We the People 
was a great single. Solid Wall of Sound. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, Kids with Andre 2000. Um, there is a lot to like about this album, but it just, to me, it just does not have the same memories attached to it as the first five tribe albums. And that's, that's, that's one of the main things working to its default um, or, or, or to its demerit, I should say, in addition to those three skippables that I named. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what, how do you feel? Do you feel this is a candidate for least, least best tribe album or do you feel differently? No, I don't disagree. Uh, I mean, for the reasons that you that you laid out, makes sense to me. Um, with it being a newer album, it, it doesn't. Um, it, it would be really hard to compete with anything Tribe had done before that, just because at the you know when they were active, active, um, they were such trendsetters and, and you know kind of tastemakers in the game. And at this point, they were the elder statesmen there was not really a trend to set or you know seawaters to, to kind of change at this point this was more of a um to use a phrase i used earlier closing of the book you know it was we knew that they had had so much turmoil as a group and that would have been a bad way for them to kind of end the story and this was kind of a good way to book in that right we mended our fences we got got it together. Um, unfortunately, you know, Fife ain't with us anymore. But they were able to say, "All right, well, we can fully close the book on Tribe and it not ending in a loss." Yeah. Or it didn't end where they were. You know, tragedy feels like such a, a heavier concept than what I mean. But um, if this album never came out. And it just kind of was over due to infighting in the group. That that would have been an unworthy end to the to the tribe story, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It it, it is a very you know pleasant bookend to their to their career. You know, and it's it's they gave us they really did give us something different, man. Like it didn't sound yeah. like anything else coming out at the time. It sounded like a, a progression of the tribe sound. But it didn't get it didn't get mired in just trying to sound like a relic from the past. You know what I mean? Like right. they tried some new stuff. They, they tried some some musical experimentation on here. You know, had some decent collabs. Like the the track, I you know, and it, it hurts to say this is my least favorite Tribe album because I, I actually just thought about it. I do have a memory connected to it because um, it yeah it just came out in 2016. So. My son, who was three at the time, he um, he he had a a, a he was diagnosed with a, a muscle weakness in his mouth, uh, in his oral muscles, known as apraxia. And basically, in a nutshell, he it was hard for him to develop a, a motor plan to form his words uh, when he was younger. Uh, you know, this is something we've, we've since gotten fixed. You know, with with, with therapy. So shout out to kids can do, but he 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 really could not formulate the words he wanted to. And I, one day we were in a car and I was bumping this album and I was bumping the song Ego, <laughs> and he really liked that song. And I could hear him in the back going, he couldn't say Ego, he would just say Go 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 Go, 
and 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 that's one of the things that we kind of took notice of amongst other things it's like man yeah he's trying to talk but it's like it's like there's something not not firing off correctly here so right but yeah that that was a that was a fond memory for me of this album you know him trying to sing the, the hook to ego before he could actually talk but um you know so it, it does hurt a, it does sting a little bit to say this <laughs> this is my least favorite tribe album but man the other five just were just so dope and and you know came out at, at the right time I, I i'll put it that way for me you know and um you know they were just yeah they were just all right on time man they were just all right on time yes indeed but uh but yeah yeah there you have it there you have it that that is my least favorite album from a tribe called quest but it is still a good album still definitely worth checking out all right so let's uh let's uh uh dive into our album face-off for the night um i call it the battle of new york city the the underground edition um And this week, uh, I am putting The Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox against The Future Is Now by Nonfiction. Now, The Cold Vein uh, by Cannibal Ox, this was their debut album, released May 15th, 2001 on Definitive Jux Records, clocking in at uh, 73 minutes and 15 tracks and produced entirely by LP. Uh, and is a duo group uh, consisting of Vast Air and Vordu Mega. And then in the other corner, we have The Future Is Now by the group Nonfiction. This was their first and only studio album, uh, and it was released March 26, 2002 on Landspeed Records and clocks in at 16 tracks and 56 minutes. And it was produced by Dave One, Juju from the Beat Nuts, Necro, DJ Premier, Large Professor, and Pete Rock. And uh, basically, this is Harlem versus Brooklyn. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'll give it up to you, Jamil. Between these two albums, The Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox and The Future Is Now by Nonfiction, which one of these albums were you feeling more and why? I know this is, if last week was the, the blackest uh <laughs> then this is this is straight New York New York stuff. This was the New Yorkist, if that's if that's a way of putting it. Um <laughs> this is definitely of the of the streets of the time. Uh down to the references. Like one of the things that stood out to me with the nonfiction was um realizing that this was post 9-11 New York. Yeah, yeah. And the thing, you know, some of the things that they were referencing there, I'm like, man, that that got me to thinking, like, what what that must have been like to live there um, at that time. And it also made me wonder, why doesn't more music reflect that time like this does? Mm. Because I really don't I really don't recall it being a big um, like groundswell of, of anything around that. I remember like this one super super whack uh like protest song called dear mr president which is terrible um 
I can't even remember. It was a bunch of MCs on there. I know Everlast was on the hook. I don't know. And I remember Be Real had a verse. It was like a bunch of West Coast cats. <laughs> you um, know what? That does sound familiar. And it was terrible. I, I just remember it being bad. <laughs> it sounds um, bad. Yeah, but uh, to, so to the nonfiction, I was like, I, I, that was impressive to me it, to, to kind of transport back to that uh, is definitely they had an opportunity to reach out to some more established heads, which, you know, was pretty dope to hear Premier Beats and, and P-Rock and uh, to get beats from Juju and, and a verse from Juju also. Um like this between the two I think this was more even though it was an underground album I feel like the nonfiction had a um, had a tether to to hip hop in a way that the cold vein did not mm-hmm. um, and you, you know I have not even necessarily that it's more traditional I, I guess in some ways it was but it also had those through lines to established artistry and not not so much that you know the names were bigger because these are also like real heads you know what i mean it's not like they did a uh they got a feature from like who would have been big at that time jay or like 50 or something like that it wasn't that um it was still very much of the underground but clearly they were getting the respect of people who were not gatekeepers but you know just kind of upper echelon within the hip-hop space like Premier can kind of straddle the the line of underground and, and commercially viable but still still has the respect of the real and I, I feel like you know nonfiction, however loosely had those connections that um, Cannibal Ox did not they just kind of existed in their own silo uh, in the lab with, with LP doing all that madness that he does on the boards and madness it was um, don't get me wrong I, I absolutely enjoyed the cold vein um, it just you know it just didn't have the same uh, connections and this one very much sounded like underground New York hip hop to me um, it was it was gritty it was grimy but not in the same way as like 90s grimy was this was this was a little more futuristic it's it's kind of hard to for me to articulate how it feels it's almost like um it's like if you were walking down a filthy street in the world of tron mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's what it feels like to me yeah i can see um, that and that's weird whereas the nonfiction didn't have that weirdness where I think um, nonfiction actually, what they what they did, it, they reminded me a lot of what Eminem did, and I think that some of their success, not directly tied to it, but uh, sonically and as far as cadence, I I heard a lot of similarities there, which is why I went with the Colvin. I thought Colvin. Oh. <laughs> I love, and you know how I'm hard on LP with his production, but I loved Colvin. Um, that is, that is the the quintessential underground hip hop that I loved at that time. Um, the nonfiction, I mean, all that stuff about 
the, the connections to hip hop that was just window dressing. <laughs> I, Indeed. Honestly, I honestly I feel like those were those were some of the downfalls to me. That said, that you just had a deep Rolodex, and I'd be willing to bet if I if I did a little more research, I could find that somebody's daddy knew somebody's daddy at, at some label and, and was able to make that happen. I don't feel like those were organic. You, you never um, know. You never know because the, the only. <sighs> The only dude in nonfiction who really had any real hip hop bona fides was Ill Bill. Exactly. The other two guys, right. I I knew nothing about them. DJ Eclipse, uh, DJ Eclipse, their their DJ, he had a name too. He um, because he he was down with like DJ Revolution and he he did some stuff for Swan Tech. So I already knew who DJ who DJ Eclipse was, and I knew Ill Bill from his freestyle series that. Uh, mixtapes that I used to listen to with Dr. Wax. So I already knew about him. Mm. I knew about I Shot Reagan, um, 14 Years of Rap, you know, with the arsonist, all of that. But yeah, I just, you never know with the other two. Who might have knew who? That album felt like, as did a lot of underground rap at that time, felt like it was rap music for people who don't like rap music. Mm. Um, They were technically solid all the way through no nobody was a whack rapper but there was just something missing and it, it felt a lot to me like logic and that logic is technically proficient and if you just talk to lyricism he's dope but they're not as corny as he is but there's a missing element from that album the future's now that the uh, the Colvin had in spades, like that felt organic to me. Um, that is hip hop, where you know how, how I always make fun of KRS. Hip hop is something you live. Like, that's what <laughs> the Colvin, like these niggas live and breathe this stuff. Where then the nonfiction cash felt to me like, yeah, this is something we would enjoy doing. So let's let's do this project. It it, it didn't. Like it feel like they could grow up to be investment bankers later. Where uh, Cannibal O was uh, a little more, um, a little more rooted in in the principles of hip hop, in my opinion. And they had finally, finally a love song that wasn't corny. The F word. Oh, the F word, bro. Beautiful. It took song. me a minute to figure out what the F word was. So I was like, what is what is it? You know and what? I got did. it. I got it on the first listen. Cause like, I, I don't know, I don't know how, like, I, I just was like, man, I'm gonna just really pay attention to these lyrics. Cause I like the beat. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, he's, he's just a friend of this chick, you know? Right, right. But the way, but the way he's describing their relationship is just like, I, I was feeling every bar of it because, you know, I, 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 I too have been in that position. I, I've played that part. Definitely. I um, think most of us have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, quiet is kept. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think, um, and it was mad, like mad quotables on there. Like Vast Therapy, he's got some. I don't always like his delivery, but he's always got a bar to in every track that's gonna make you like go back. Like what that nigga say? Yeah, yeah. Indeed, yeah. He he's he's very earnest with his lyrics, you know, and that's yes. what I like about him. And then you got Vordu Mega, who's very spacey, 
you know, and he just like he just he just like just just turns out these like dizzying, you know, rhyme patterns and, and rhyme schemes where it's just like you 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 constantly pressing the rewind button to catch what he said. And, yeah, you know they 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 play off each other great. They play off very each other well, great. very well. That chemistry is 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 perfect. Could and, you? Oh, go ahead. And despite you know some of my my issues with some of LP's production choices, this one I think was a little a little uh, grounded, ex- with the exception of the song he was on. Actually, that nigga went full space cadet on that one. I can't remember which one it was. I can't think of the name of it. It's toward the end of the album, though. Was it Ridiculoid or whatever? That's the one. That's the one. Okay. Lyrically, it was dope, but I'm like, yeah, he's he's off planet with this one, production wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah, I remember that. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Could could you give me five your five favorite tracks from the Cold Vein? Uh, I have to pull the list up so I can remember the titles, but I sure can. F word is definitely one of them. Uh, where is it? I should have had this. Uh, Iron Galaxy. That was a great kick to door. Oh, the intro, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, stress rap. Stress rap was good. Uh, let's see, Iron Galaxy, Stress Rap, uh, the F Word, Vein, and Real Earth. Oh, okay, Real Earth. Okay, all right. Um, did you have a did you have favorite any favorite tracks from the from the Future Is Now? I have to do the same thing and look at the list because it was quite a few joints that I enjoyed. CIA is trying to kill me. Um, Black Helicopters uh, and Suicide Bomb I enjoyed uh, a lot of the other ones kind of felt like they were Rockstars was dope too okay. um, but quite a few of them felt like they were like interchangeable you didn't necessarily know like it, it, it could have been any other song you know what I mean there, was, there wasn't a lot of distinguishing quality between them I see. I see. <clears throat> you didn't like, uh, man. You didn't. Did you? Did you like the cold leader? I think I said cold leader, didn't I? You or did said... I say black helicopters? Oh, strange universe. How I forget that one. We're doing. Yeah, we're MF Doom. Yeah. I don't remember it. Oh man, the cold leader was probably one of my favorite tracks on here. Like he, he's it's it's just ill bill rapping on it, but he's he's. He's describing the the traits of a cult leader uh, as if. He oh, I do remember that now. I'm sorry. That was dope. Star systems, the active vacuums, the illus ish since Manson had goons, the great communicator, alien tomb raider, consumed data cut from the same cloth that produced Vader, the cult leader, the ultimate fighting champion, the beneficent, the lamb, the messiah, the religion. There's a thousand faces, more than a cross and a star, David. I'm the combination of God and Satan. Like that track was just ill, bro. Like <laughs> I, I was here I think, for it. I think that was also one of the ones that made me say, okay, these are um like suburban rap. I do remember that now. And it was specifically the um it took me two listens to listen to Cult Leader to realize that 
that it was it was in fact a description of a cult leader i thought this was like one of those braggadocious raps because when i was listening to it it was just like on in the car and i wasn't paying attention to the track <clears throat> so i'm like oh this nigga is wilding oh really no see i i took it I, I interpreted it totally different like he was rapping from the standpoint of a co-leader and describing all the terrible things he he's can make people do and because well, it took again, me a minute to get to that i didn't right. get it at first I oh had to go i got back you. and I listen got you. to it because again again this was a this was a post 9 11 new york you know, and he was like the life taker. Followers fly planes in the skyscraper, send you a disease through the mail wrapped in side paper. Because remember, you had the whole anthrax thing. The anthrax, yeah. You know, the gospel teacher, the hospital teacher, the face of God with an imposter's features. You know, like just just harkening back to like paintings of Jesus. You know, that were, you know, as we later found out, were actually like portraits of some one of the pope's sons you know but they decided to use him as the model for jesus and you know he's just kind of touching on all of it you know and, and <laughs> it's mind control let the co-leader guide your soul open up your eyes to the lies they told yeah he was just he was just laying it out you know and and really getting into the nitty-gritty ugliness of of religion you know i uh i really like that track i'm with you yeah, I really like that track. Um, man, the uh, uh, the what was the name of the other track? We are the future. Did you? I, man, I thought that would have been a great album closer, but then they followed it up with that rockish remix of the CIA is trying to kill me. Yeah, didn't like that. You know, you you should have just ended it with We Are the Future because that that was a phenomenal track. Um, Fair. I think Large Pro produced that too. But I guess I'm getting into my review. I, I enjoy both these albums thoroughly, both the, the Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox and um, what's the name of it? <laughs> <laughs> the Future Is Now. The Future Is Now, <laughs> correct, from, from nonfiction. It's like, I, I had never heard of these dudes before this album. I like, like I had heard of them like with a couple of singles, like with I Shot Reagan and yeah, 14 Years of Rap, but like, I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. You know, it was, it was, you know, discounted CD. I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Really love the album art. Shout out to Mirror One. And the album art lets you know straight up what you're getting. Like, like, you know, the imagery on the cover with, with Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and Bin Laden and, you know, the, the po police and the, and, the, and the citizens at war with each other and, you know, but just a bunch of other stuff, UFOs. It's like, man, it's like, I'm like, man, I don't know what these dudes are talking about, but I love this album art. And like, at the time, you know, I was 18. I was, I was all into my conspiracy theories back then that I eventually grew out of. And they were just talking that stuff, man. They were just talking that stuff. I liked the, but the, the black helicopter talk and, you know, uh, you, you know, Masonic conspiracy theories. I, I was, that was, that was, that was me at this time. And the album I, I felt was full of neck breakers, you know what I mean? Just and, and head nodders, you know, just from a production standpoint. And honestly, I, I felt the P-Rock track that, that, that he contributed was kind of one of the weaker tracks on the album, surprisingly. It but, was but I, like a weird party song. I didn't I didn't get that. The hook was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just <clears throat> it wasn't needed. It wasn't needed. Mm -hmm. um, and the Cannibal Ox, I've been put on like around the same time 
uh, by the dude who worked at Dr. Wax. He was like, you got to check out this Cannibal Ox. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get to it eventually. And my boy Nigel had it and we were hanging out one time and he was like, he was he was super into it. Like he was super into Iron Galaxy and Vane and he just kept playing those two tracks. And I was eventually like, okay, I got to go cop this. And dude, the cold vein effed my head up. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like in, a, in a major way. Um, and it, it kind of adjusted my my whole approach to how hip hop should sound or can sound. Because before I wasn't really into this sound. I, I was, I was prior to this, I couldn't get with indelible MCs and company flow and you know, it was it was just way too unorthodox and noisy for me. But it something clicked with the cold vein and the way the album is crafted from beginning to end with the very first track all the way down to the last one with Screen Phoenix and, you know, everything in between, just a lot of ebbs and flows and valleys and peaks with this album. And if you would ask me which album was better 20 years ago, I would have hands down said the nonfiction just because it's a more conventional hip hop sounding album. But as time has has passed on and I go back and I get a fresh listen to these two albums, the, the shelf life of the Colvain is just way, way, way longer than the future is now. And not to say the future is now is not a dope album because it most definitely is. But the Colvain was just different, bro. Yeah, I think I think the the the, the filthy streets in the future is pretty apt. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. It's like you know, once I really got settled in with this album, I was like, man, is this what hip hop is going to sound like in the future? Right. You know what I mean? Because like nothing else was sounding like this, and and it was just, it, dude, it was just so out of this world. And it really does a great job at world building. You know what I mean? Like. Yes. It's like, yeah, Cannibal Ox, they from Harlem, but it's like, I'm starting to think these dudes is from the future and just stepped off a spaceship because it's like every song, they were just giving us cutting air sounds and like, like just, and just beautiful poetry. It's like the track Pigeon is just amazing. Uh, Vain, Iron Galaxy, the F word, B-Boy Alpha, you know, where, you know, he's talking about, you know, how he came up in the rap, they were, they were talking about how they came up in the rap game. And you know the, the different type of style that they were bringing. It's just this album's aged very well. And you know, if you were play it for cast today, it would definitely flip their wigs. You know, and oh, for yeah. an al- album this old to still be able to do that, man, bravo. You know, bravo. I had no idea they were from Harlem. Like they don't rap like like Harlem rappers at all. They don't. They don't. They don't. I think at the time they were residing in Brooklyn. You know, and that that's what I, it kind of sounds like too. Yeah, that was the whole LP connection, but no, they 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 originate from Harlem. Mm. Yeah, because you know Harlem niggas, they get that that flash and yeah, yeah, yeah. They about they cream, you know what I mean? They yeah, about yeah. into the bag and being fly, but yeah, Cannibal Ox was just totally, totally different, man. And like, you know, it's funny how over time these two albums, as my taste has matured these two albums have kind of reversed in which one I favor. Because, yeah, 20 years ago, I totally would have been like, yo, the nonfiction is better. But, 
you know, as, as, as I've spent more time with the cold vein, it's just like I pick something out of it new every time I listen to it. And it's just it's an amazing album, very dense lyrically, you know, and if you if you're not used to LP's production or you're not a fan of it, then this is not the album for you. But give it a give it a chance, man. Give it a chance. If you want to hear something different from another, just this, this is hip hop from another planet, man, or from the future yeah. or something. But it's I great. Also, honestly, even if you're not a big fan of LP's production, I think this project it doesn't even really matter. Like it does, I don't think that it 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 cuts through in a way that you get that futuristic sound to it, but it doesn't it doesn't detract from what what the the song is actually doing which was probably my issue with a lot of his production earlier on it was so busy it's so noisy that it overtakes everything else you don't get that with with this project at all yeah yeah you're right you're right yeah it's not it's not competing with them as mcs correct you know and they they got some phenomenal lyricism too that that really shines through and you know they're not just these far out spaced out dudes it's like they're you know these are dudes who grew up in the grit and the grime like like a lot of us and you know but but are also very in tune with their environment and what it's bringing to the table but they're also in tune with their own internal feelings you, you know you get that on a couple of tracks even an intro track you know that chalky outline on the ground is a father figure you know um crazy you know, it, it, it's it's a phenomenal album, but but I, I will acknowledge not for everybody. <laughs> you know, not for everybody, but you know, g- yeah, give it a shot, man, give it a shot. They do have one other album, Blade of the Ronin, which was a decent second effort, um, but yeah, not not what nearly is. brilliant as as the Cold Vein. But uh, yeah, yeah, there you have it. All right. So that is a uh, we we are both siding with the cold vein on this one. Um, let's go ahead. Let's cap off this episode like we always do with another segment of what you're bumping. Where I invite you to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week or so. Uh, so Jamil, man, what you been bumping? We got that De La Soul. <laughs> Just going through the whole catalog, like I'm sure everybody did. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I started with Balloon Mind State on purpose. Just, you know, that's the one that doesn't get as much love and don't know why. Like, I don't know, maybe I was just excited about uh, getting more daylight back, but it it sounds better than I remember. Um, Indeed. Indeed. So I was bumping, bumping a bunch of daylight. Uh, off your recommendation at uh, Rome Street. Ah, how'd you like it? I, you know, that's right up my alley. It was mad niggas. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Um, and yo, Method Man is still out here killing it without cursing. 
Yeah, he is, bro. He is. Like I specifically wanted to check it out when I heard him rapping again. I, I started his verse over. I was like, hold on, I want to know. Because I remember him making that comment and I was just curious if he was still doing it. And he is. Just because. Yeah, just because he's that dope. Yep. Um, also went and listened to that uh Let's Start Here, Lil Yachty. Ah, what you think? To uh quote the great American philosopher Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> it was uh Boo Boo. What? I think that if like I would listen to this as an instrumental. I really like the production. I like the like it's real funky. I like that. It it definitely reminds me of the uh Childish Gambino joint. Um what is it? Not here, my dear, that's Marvin Gaye. Awaken, Awaken my, my love. love. Awaken my love. It feels like that. Except he's not as talented. Like his voice doesn't really match the sound. He's off beat still. I'm like, I didn't even listen to the whole thing, I'm be honest with you. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> couldn't do it i was like nope i gave it a, i gave it an honest try wow. at some point i'll revisit it again just to 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 try you know I, I always try to give albums at least a second listen but i did not enjoy this one wow wow man this is the best thing he's released in my opinion i mean like i, I i'm not saying that it's it's a it's a classic or it's even on the level of an awaken my love but like it's a good it's a to me it's a it's an objectively good album especially to come from him he tried something different you i know, respect this that is, this is what happens when you kind of allow artists to grow as artists yeah. you know i respect that he you know took some chances musically i just you know he didn't quite hit the mark but the fact that he was willing to do that tells me he is growing and i, I guess that's all of us have to at some point right he's about he got to be about 26 25 26 at this point so you know he could i look forward to seeing what else he's got in the tank maybe he'll he'll do a little bit more growing or even if he stays in this same lane i think he could tweak some things and, and improve what what happened here but this ain't it <laughs> oh man all right, that's so that's that's, that's that's yeah. it for you. Okay. Um, me myself, I've been bumping uh of course De La Soul. I too uh was bumping Balloon Mind State just because I hadn't spent a whole lot of time with that particular album. Um uh it's dope, man. It's dope. Like yeah. I, I I would still place it, you know, on the on the lower end of like my favorite De La albums or whatever, if I were I was to, to rank them. Um, there's still quite a few Dela albums. I still like more than Bloom Mind State, but it was a pleasure getting, you know, refamiliarized with that. Um, I was also bumping Rome Streets, wasn't built in a day. Definitely a dope album. I was bumping the new Shea Noir, uh, Noir or Never. Uh, very dope she album. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. She, I think it might have dropped the same day as the Rome Streets. Uh, interesting factoid, it was also produced by Big Ghost, who produced Rome Streets. Mm. So Big Ghost is he's been putting in some work. Um I was yeah, bumping into a Conway album last year, I think. He did, yep, yep, he sure did. Um he also did a Ghostface album too. Sure did. Yep. 
Um, I was also bumping Knife Wonder Zion Eight. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Knife my, Wonder my, slipping, my. man. He's slipping. I think he has slipped. Yeah. Don't, don't give us now. don't don't give us old instrumentals packaged up as new instrumentals. Right. I think the game might have passed them by at this point. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, dude. Like 15 years ago, he 15, 20 years ago, he was the man, bro. Like he was untouchable. Yeah. But now, I don't know, not so much. Not not so much. <laughs> I was also bumping Sade, Diamond Life. Mm. Um, I was bumping, for some reason, I just had a hankering for the, here to the first Black Star album. I was bumping that. And I was bumping the BBC podcast. <laughs> which, stands, which, which, which stands for Black Boy Content. <laughs> all right, all right. Appreciate it. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's a pretty funny podcast. Um, you know, they they review movies, TV shows, they just talk whatever's going on in the news and pop culture, whatever. Um, my boy who does movie reviews, Prem from Prem to the Cinema, he's one of the the guests on there. So uh, you know, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. Nice, nice, lighthearted podcast. I'm with it. And most definitely. Um, Jamil, you got any album anniversaries for us this year? I mean, this week. I, I do. There were um, actually quite a few, but only really, only really got three that are worth putting on a list. Um, unless you were like a big uh, <laughs> fabulous fan or something like that. But uh, <laughs> celebrating five years, which now puts it on a list to be debated as a classic. Uh, Fonte, no good news is good news. Mm, okay. It's open for discussion now. Uh, celebrating 25 years is uh, Scarface, my homies, with the uh, another love song that isn't corny, uh, Love Faces, featuring Too Short. Ooh, okay. Go ahead and check that out if you have not. Love Don't Faces. Play it it's definitely not called Love Faces. Oh, <laughs> considering considering it's too short. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I say less. <laughs> and uh, celebrating thirty years this week, uh, the Ghetto Boys. And I did not type the album. To, making trouble. Making trouble. Okay. No, 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 no. That's not it. My bad. That's the wrong year. It is Ghetto Boys banging on uh, Till Death Do Us Part. Oh, okay, okay. Ghetto Boys Till Death Do Us Part. Oh, right. Along with uh, Bushwick and Electric Chair on the cover. That was that one? Yeah. I thought it had a coffin on the uh, cover. Not this one. Oh, snob, okay. Yeah, Ghetto Boys was always morbid. You know, <laughs> yeah, they the original horror chord. Yeah, they had a, they had a pension for that. Um, <clears throat> okay, all right. So those are the album anniversaries for this week. All right. So 
Uh, next week, I'll be actually taking off cause, just because I need a break. <laughs> but uh, we will be back with our uh, season finale the week after next. So, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. yes, indeed. Stay, stay tuned for that. And we'll definitely be back with another album face off. Uh, Jamil, always, always an honor to do the show with you, my brother. Honor is mine, sir. And and with that, we'll see y'all in two weeks. And I'm going to bid you adieu and say peace. Peace. Shout out to Uncle Remus. <laughs> <laughs>